This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Saturday, September 18th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The Biden administration will try to compel employers to compel their employees to either get vaccinated or submit to regular testing. Cato senior fellow Walter Olson discusses the legal case. You start out with the existence of the Occupational Safety and Health Administration and the law that authorized it 50 years ago. And that's a law that, on the face of it, gives that federal agency pretty astonishing, huge powers. You might think that OSHA would be declared unconstitutional on an interstate commerce basis. For example, you know, it just goes further. It, it intrudes into more issues of workplace administration than you would need to do in order to, to, to reach interstate commerce. And yet, there was no such successful challenge. You might believe that OSHA's manner of regulating is too peremptory, that it tramples property rights without compensation, for example, or in other ways goes over a constitutional line. Once again, those systemic uh, issues of the agency have not successfully been challenged on a constitutional basis, which means that you start out in a pretty bad position as a challenger as far as what the agency has already been allowed to do by courts. Courts have struck down individual regulations on a different ground, typically, which is the administrative law considerations of did they compile a reasoned basis? Is this in accord with the specific language of the statute or does it step beyond that? And on on that level, courts have often struck down what OSHA has done. What they have not done is what libertarians might ardently wish they had done, which is be more skeptical about the constitutional basis for the agency. To what extent is the Biden administration through OSHA commandeering employers? It is doing so in a way that's not arguably all that different from some of what OSHA has tried to do in the past. Now, I won't get into chapter and verse except to say that for a while, OSHA was interested in regulating ergonomics, which is you know how you relate to your keyboard, including if you are a remote or home-based worker, OSHA was going to march right into the question of whether or not your home office environment had to be regulated. Eventually, sanity prevailed, but not because of the Constitution. You know, people seriously believed, this was admittedly 20, 30 years ago, they seriously believed that OSHA's power was so incredibly grand and broad that they could invade the home office to keep you from tripping over the wires. Now, one thing that has gotten better in some ways is that the Supreme Court from a libertarian standpoint, or from my standpoint individually, is taking some constitutional issues a little more seriously than it did them. It is looking harder at some regulatory issues where it used to just wave the agency through and approve almost anything a generation ago. Now it's taking a closer look, which is good. And that means that in this area, for example, one of the things that has happened since is the Obamacare individual mandate and the question of could they force you to eat broccoli, you know, sounds silly and yet it, it stimulated a genuine debate about at what point does this become so intrusive that you can't possibly say it's interstate commerce and, and, and so forth. And the Supreme Court's thinking has evolved. That is how we law buffs diplomatically dress up the fact that the Supreme Court has probably changed its mind on a couple of underlying issues and moved in what I see as the right direction. And that opens up some possibilities of getting it to listen to an argument along those lines. That would be, in my view, the likeliest constitutional argument to trip this up is uh, consider things like the individual mandate. Uh, This is getting too much like that. 
I still think, though, that if a court is to strike it down, the most likely way it is to do so is over on the non-constitutional administrative law side. And that is where it sets what OSHA is doing against its enabling statute, against what requirements that statute makes of, of the agency's process, and says, didn't do the process right, haven't proved what you need to prove to adopt an emergency rule. I still think that's the likeliest way that this would trip up. One of the things you point to in an article that you uh, put up at Reason Magazine is that OSHA must determine that workers are in grave danger. Uh, for working age Americans, uh, COVID-19 has a less than 1% fatality rate. Is that grave danger? Well, that is an issue that's likely to be litigated and that, in fact, has been important in past litigation. And it's one of the differences between OSHA's regular rule authority, which does not require as strong a showing of grave danger, and its emergency authority, which sets a higher bar, a grave danger must be found, and the rule must be necessary in responding to it rather than the less demanding rule for OSHA's regular rulemaking. And so again, because OSHA has chosen the emergency route as faster and as enabling it to regulate first and explain later, uh, it's going to have to meet those higher bars. Now, once you talk about grave danger, probably the challenges are going to come back with the sorts of numbers that you just mentioned. Compare it to some previous cases in which the graveness of the danger was an issue in the court striking down something, and also point to particular subgroups to argue that the regulation is way overbroad. For example, what about employees who have already had the virus and not been vaccinated, but whose general risk is probably comparable in many ways to, to those who have had the vaccination. If you don't make appropriate allowance for their situation, are you sweeping in many, many millions or even tens of millions of people who are not in grave danger? Likewise, the I think a key issue when the regulations come out is going to be to see whether they carefully address the issue of remote workers. Ocean's, response, Ocean's authority has traditionally extended over workplaces, much less often home or remote workplaces, even though they've, they've asserted that authority. But if you look at the statute, OSHA is instructed to regulate only safety hazards at the workplace. They can argue that the home office is a workplace. What they can't, I think, be as successful in arguing is that they're entitled to consider risks to people that are not workplace-related, in other words, to the family or spouse of the remote worker. They're not supposed to be taking that into account. It's only risks of the workplace itself. And so if they don't write out the remote workers, and it would be fairly easy to do so by simply saying that the object is to address places in which workers congregate for purposes of work, which would get you some of the conventions and, and all of the large workplaces. But if they don't do that, again, it will be easier for lawyers to come in and say, this has drifted too far away from grave danger. It's drifted too far away from necessary. Yeah, well, we can say we can say whether or not this is uh legal without saying whether or not this is a good idea, certainly, uh, or whether or not it's constitutional. Right. And there's a room for good old-fashioned policy analysis of how even if the law is favorable to the agency in some ways, as it is, this 
is a bad policy idea. It is the centralization of things that work better on a uh, more decentralized and voluntary basis. It is the use of federal coercion uh, in a way that is bound to provoke reaction and bound to introduce turmoil and conflict into workplaces. In some cases, workplaces where they were getting uh, good results on the prevention of transmission in that workplace, and which will now potentially have a solution that was not the one the employer thought would work best, was not the one the employees would work best, but is going to be following some federal rule book. What's OSHA's best argument in your view? The argument I think OSHA will be using a lot, and it may get traction with this, is this is not a vaccine mandate. It's a weekly testing mandate. Uh, We're not telling anyone they have to take the vaccine. Uh, We're just telling them uh, in the first place they have to have weekly testing, and then there's an exception for those who've had the vaccine. Now, to the extent courts accept that, it kind of gets OSHA by a number of arguments. What about people with religious exemptions? Well, in general, no one has religious exemptions to being tested weekly. What about the personal intrusion? Well, testing is generally accepted as not being as personally intrusive. It's temporary. And there will be counter arguments. There will be people, for example, who can come to court saying, my employer went to a vaccination only policy because they didn't want to go through the hassle that OSHA was prescribing. So in practice, the regulation tipped my workplace into vaccination only. You know, how courts will receive that, I don't know. But this will be, I predict, heavily relied on by OSHA. It's just a testing mandate. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.